Uh, it's based on the word, panic not. We, don't, we're not. we don't abandon the word just because I tear up some notes. But I just want to bring some reflections of what I sense God was doing in our meeting. Uh, I've written down one, two, I haven't even had a chance to number them properly. I think I've written down five things I just want to briefly reflect on this morning. The first is this. Do you know what? God is good. Amen? God is really good. In fact, God can't be anything but good. And because he's good, he's faithful. And in being faithful, that is an expression of his loving kindness because God is the definition of love. He's not a definition of love. He is the best, the highest definition you will ever find of love. It's actually who he is. It's not just about words. You know, it's easy to say God is love, but he demonstrates his love. We've just had a meal We've had a, celebrated a meal together, what we call communion or breaking of bread or whatever your tradition may want to call it. But ultimately, it's, it's celebrating a meal, a fellowship meal with God, celebrating his love. Well, how do we know God is love? Well, we look at the cross where Jesus died. We look at the cross where Jesus died, and the cross changes everything. And that's my second point. How about that? The cross changes everything. Because at the cross, we see the love of God put into practice in a way in which we've never seen up until that time. Because God allows his son, his one and only son, to be sacrificed on the cross. His son, who is pure and perfect in all his ways, in all that he is, sacrificed on the cross. Why? Well, yes, to pay for our sins, but there's a bigger picture than that. Why? Because the Father longs for relationship with his family, with his creation, with you, with me, with each of us, and with the world out there who don't yet know him. Because God is good. That's why the cross happens. That's what the cross is about. That's why sins being forgiven and dealt with are so important. Not just that that is the, the end. The end is so that mankind comes into a real living relationship with the Father, knows the Father's love. And as part of that, the Holy Spirit, who is God, who is Lord, He is part of the Trinity, He's part of the Godhead. The Holy Spirit comes and fills us. And He comes and fills us to do what? Well, to make us aware how much the Father loves us, to assure us we're saved. He comes to bring freedom, to set us free from those things which would stop us enjoying the Father's love and living it out in our lives. He comes to bring the mercy of God, to, the bring, to wake us up to the grace of God, to understand that God is good, that he's faithful, that he's loving, that he's kind, that he's all the different things we can describe God as. That's what the Spirit does. He, he stirs in us. He stirs us to know the goodness and mercy of God. He assures us we're saved. He brings us to a place of security in the love of God. Why? Because God loves us. He loves his creation and he wants his creation to know him intimately. He doesn't want us to be tied up with fear or any of the other things which so quickly tie us up and ensnare us. He wants us to understand what it is to be sons and daughters of God, children of God, loved children of God in such a way that, wow, <laughs> that's transforming. I no longer have to live out of fear 
I don't longer have to live out trying to please or keep people happy. I don't have to live out and prove myself through performance, through what I know, through what I do, through what I achieve. No, no, the Spirit comes to say, hey, you can get rid of all that. doesn't matter. You get the love of the Father, the love of the Father who brings out assurance. I'm in the family of God. I can't be a better place. There is no better place than being in the family of God. In God's family. Love, child of the king. King of all kings, Lord of all lords. The beginning and the end. Creator and sustainer of the earth, the heavens, everything we know. The one who can speak and a world comes into existence. You hear the news this week? Oh, well, there may be a planet, I can't remember how many thousands or hundreds of light years away or whatever it was, which may be able to, s- to sustain life. It may just have the, the, the right bits and pieces, sorry, I'm useless at biology and that sort of stuff, to sustain life. <laughs> God speaks life. He speaks life. He speaks life into our lives. He says, hey, be made new, and he makes us new. He says, hey, I want to heal you. And he comes, and his spirit comes, and he brings healing into our lives. He makes us new not just physically. He makes us new emotionally, mentally, spiritually, the whole of us, everything. He loves to make us new because he's a good God. He's a loving God. He's a loving Father. And what's our call? What's our response? Well, Jason brought that word about surrender. It's funny, (laughs) about 15 seconds before Jason stood up and started talking, I just scrawled across my notes, surrender. That's what Father's looking for. It's not complex, it's not difficult. It's really simple, really, actually, isn't it? Emma and I were talking about this. We've been doing a lot of traveling this last week, I think. Um, So we've been in cars for eight hours in the last 36 hours, I think, something like that. And uh, uh, (laughs) you you chat. And I was saying, do you know what? I'd love to call a church surrender as a name of a church. By the way, this isn't a proposal. (laughs) Before you get worried, I'm not proposing it. But what a powerful name, surrender. I've surrendered. And Emma said, yeah, but it would be completely misunderstood by the world because surrender is a weak word. Surrender is a weak word. It says, well, you're not good enough. I thought, yeah. Time we realize that surrender is the or one of the most powerful words when we talk about our relationship with God. It's at the heart of it, really. It's the heart of it. The heart of our relationship is saying, God... (laughs) I give up. I give up my way. I surrender my hopes, my dreams, my ambitions, my whatever, whatever, whatever you want to put after the word my. And I say, God, I want you. I want you to have your way. I want your kingdom to come in my life. I want you to be in charge of my life. I want you to be sovereign over everything. 
not just over this little bit, not just over two hours on a Sunday morning, not just over that first 10 minutes of the day when I spend time with God. And I want you to be, I want to surrender everything. I want to surrender my finances. No, you don't. Do you ever get that response? Oh, you think, I want to surrender something, and immediately in your spirit you go, no, you don't. There's this little conversation happens. <laughs> you don't want to surrender your finances. You're surrendering your finances. That's daft. That's completely bonkers. Oh, oh okay. Maybe I'll, uh, maybe I'll surrender something which isn't quite so important to me. I know. And then we go through this compromise and this negotiation in our minds. And gradually, something which starts quite large gets smaller and then a bit smaller and a bit smaller. And if we aren't careful, we end up with, I'll surrender those two hours on a Sunday morning to you, Lord. Or maybe it's not even that. Maybe you say, well, that's not that important. I'll surrender five minutes one day a week to you. And that becomes one day a month. Or when I think about it. Or, actually, I don't want to surrender anything. I'll add God into my life. I still want him in my life, but I don't want to surrender. Why would I want to let him be in control? How can I be sure he's going to be faithful? How can I be sure he's going to be fair? How can I be sure and the questions just mount up and doubt and fear take hold and uncertainty that's because we've taken our eyes off who God is. See, we've got to go back to remembering God's good. God's good, and he's so good, and he's so loving that everything changes at the cross, and we've got to remind ourselves that everything changes at the cross. That is the ultimate expression of love. That is the ultimate definition of love. We've got to remind ourselves, hey, and he gives us his spirit to help us walk in freedom, not to compromise, not to have to perform, not to have to... Uh, meet rules and regulations. No, he gives us his spirit to do what? To have a stronger relationship with him. To grow in love, in that loving relationship with him. That's why he gives us his spirit. And so our call is surrender. Am I prepared to surrender? And I feel like today, that's part of what God's wanting to do with us. He's saying, hey, are you up for surrendering? Are you up for Letting go? Are you up for trusting me? It's not very comfortable, is it? It's gone very quiet in here. But I do believe that's what the Spirit of God's doing amongst us today. Do you know what, though? As we surrender, the place of surrender can be such a wonderful place. Jenny's just given a great example of surrender. She didn't know what happened. She hadn't got a clue what I was going to say. I hadn't got a clue what I was going to say. But she just gave us a brilliant example. God's spoken into her life. She's been part of this church for how long, Jenny? 50 years? It's 1972. That's the year. I won't say that. I was going to mention somebody I love very dearly was born that year. I uh, couldn't think who I'm referring to. Uh, <laughs> so I, I happen to know that's 47 years. 
46, 47 years, depending exactly when. And uh, that's been wonderful. We've been so blessed having you as part of our church for that time. We know you'll be a blessing wherever you go. Wherever God settles you, he'll guide you. Just keep surrendering to him. What a great example. In this stage of your life, saying, hey, my surrender leads me now to Leicestershire. Is that right? Yeah. That's where it takes me. That's part of my worship. It'd be so easy to say, no, 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 I've lived in autumn for all these years. The last place I'm going is anywhere else now. You've got to be mad. God, how's that loving? God says, I've got a great plan. I've got a plan to prosper you. I've got a plan to do you good. This is part of my love. This journey will do you good. Wow, really? Yes, it will. We believe that. We pray that for you. Keep your eyes fixed on him. As we surrender, what we do is actually we find we enjoy God's grace more. We dig into the grace of God more. Actually, surrender leads us to the grace of God. It says, I really haven't got it otherwise. God, I need you. God, I need to know your love. Father, I need to know that you're uh, with me. Grace leads us. Surrender leads us to grace, but then grace leads us to further surrender. It's like a cycle. It goes round and round. And as we enjoy the grace of God, which is part of what the Spirit does, He stirs the grace of God in our hearts. makes us aware of the grace of God, the love of God. As we welcome the Spirit of God in our lives, He helps us to surrender more. It's a progressive thing. It's a transformation. It's a progressive transformation. But you know, actually, that isn't the thing that God's after. He's after this relationship. That's what it's all about. It's about relationship. Our relationship with him, his relationship with us. That's very simply what it's all about. He's not after our sacrifice. He's not even after our obedience. He's not even after our surrender per se. He's after us. He's after our hearts. He's after our lives. Why? Because he's good. Because he's got good plans for us good purposes for us, because he loves us, because he cares for us, because he's just, because he's faithful, because he's good, because he's loving. That's why. And so we sort of end up in a bit of a rather large circular argument. Actually, as we surrender, as we trust him, as we enjoy the grace of God, as we allow his spirit to fill us and lead us, and as we respond positively to the prompts of his spirit, Actually, we grow deeper in our relationship with him. See, Christian faith isn't about meeting rules and regulations. It's not about being able to tick a box and say, I've done that, done that, done that, done that. It's about relationship, isn't it? It's about relationship with Almighty God, the creator and sustainer of the heavens and the universe and the world. (laughs) Wow! It's about relationship. Now, you may say, Andrew, how's all this fit together? Well, this is where I think we end up back at 2 Corinthians, which I'm now going to read to us. You don't need to find your Bible if you don't want to. In the NIV version of the Bible I have here, the subheading for this passage says this, the glory of the new covenant. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 7. 
Now, if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters of stone, this is referring back to Moses and the Ten Commandments, came with glory so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of, Mer- uh, of Moses because of its glory, fading though it was, will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? So what he's basically saying is, hey, look at what happened with Moses. Yeah, Moses meets with God on the mountain. He gets the Ten Commandments on tablets of stone. He comes down and he, he puts a veil over his face because the glory of God is shining out of him in such a powerful way. And Paul's basically saying, you think that was amazing? New covenant, relationship with God, hey, even more amazing. If the ministry that condemns men is glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? That's the ministry of the new covenant, of the grace of God in Christ Jesus. The work of the Spirit of God is glorious. That's how he's describing it. For what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory which we see in the new covenant. And if what was fading away came with glory, how much greater is the glory of that which lasts? Wow. <laughs> Whenever Paul does a therefore, you've got to pick your ears up. He say, hey, I'm just going to summarize everything I've just said. Therefore, verse 12, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Do you know that, friends? We've got a hope. We've got a hope in Jesus. We can be very bold. Next weekend, we're doing something pretty outrageous. We're inviting the town to lunch. We've never done anything like that before. Some people, I think, almost, I'm I'm not saying they have, but they may have even taken offense. How can a church invite us to lunch? We run this in in the town. We run that. What what, what right have they got to invite us? We've got no rights. But we want to express love, and we want to express grace. We want to express something of what God's done in us. We want to be generous. We want to bless. (laughs) We can be very bold, friends. And if you think that's bold, let's drop in the ocean. There's a lot more yet to come. God calls us to be very bold. Very bold? Why? Because we gear ourselves up? No. Why? Because we enjoy the grace of God. Because we have hope. Because we've been given hope. Because we're bringers of hope. We have the answers, friends. We're not like Moses, who had put a veil over his face to keep the Israelites from gazing at it while the radiance was fading away. But their minds were made dull, for to this day the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It's not been removed, because only in Christ is it taken away. Do you know what? Some of us have got veils over our faces because we have not yet got hold of the grace of God. And we think a relationship with God is all about performing and meeting criteria. God wants to break that today. Didn't break the table, good. He does. He wants to break it. The Father hates legalism. He hates law. He's about grace. He's about loving kindness. He's about relationship. Let's enjoy relationship with him. He wants to break those veils open. We can enjoy his love and tender loving mercy 
in deep, intimate ways. Even on this day when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. Oh. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. It's taken away. Huh, isn't that amazing? You feel you've got a veil between you and God? You don't know him really well yet? That can be taken away today. As you surrender your life to him, as when anyone turns to the Lord, says, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord. I want you to be my boss. I want you to be my saviour. I recognise I've messed up. I hand my life over to you now. That veil can be dealt with once and for all. But you know what? Sometimes we even allow that veil to come back because we start getting into this whole performance thing and we come out of relationship and get back into law. Friends, some of us have got veils need removing today. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is... Can we try that one again? Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Freedom. Okay, we're starting to wake up. Freedom. Can I ask, do you really believe that? Or is it rhetoric? I think sometimes we can read stuff like this and we think, oh, I know that. Is it in your heart? Is it in your life? Do you know that real freedom or do you actually feel rather bound up? The Father is about freedom. Relationship with the Father because he's good. Because his love endures forever. Because of the cross which changes everything. The Father, he's about freedom. That's the work of his spirit. It's about bringing freedom. That's what we've just celebrated in the meal we've had together. Freedom. Freedom. And we, who with unveiled faces, because our veils have been removed because of the cross, all reflect the Lord's glory. Oh, wow. That's what we're here for. We're here to reflect God's glory. Do you know that? You are called to be, you are made to be a reflection of the glory of God to your spouse, to your children, to your grandchildren, to your parents. I'm not sure we're going to be in the room with grandparents here. Yeah, we actually probably have to your grandparents, to your neighbours, to our work colleagues, to the people we bump into on the street. We're meant to be a, <laughs> what? a reflection of God. Wow. A reflection of this love of God. <laughs> and we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed. It's an ongoing work. It's not a dumb work. It's an ongoing work into his likeness with ever-increasing glory. Wow. Hey, something's meant to be changing in our lives. Now, it'd be easy to stop there, but it doesn't stop, does it? It says, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. 
That's what the Spirit does. That's why we need to be filled with the Spirit. I know we're out of time. I just want, though, to introduce what we're going to be doing this week. As you leave, you're going to be given a copy of one of these. Because uh, we're starting what we're calling a week of prayer. We've never done a week of prayer in the recent past of our church. And uh, this booklet, it says, Harvest Church Week of Prayer, Autumn 2019. And that last verse, which I've just read, is written on it under a lovely picture of a tree and a bench and, uh, in autumn with leaves falling, etc. Slightly different version. It says this in this version. All of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. Friends, you may think I'm going to go for a response this morning. I'm not. Not in the normal sense of looking for hands up or people to stand or whatever. What I want to do instead is invite you to grab hold of one of these. If you're a couple, grab hold of two of them. Or even grab hold for one, one for your kids as well. I really would be really very, very sad if we end up with lots left in a box at the end of today. And I'd like to encourage you to take time to read it. What is it? Well, there's some notes for each day. There's some thoughts for each day. Ruth Rumsby's helped us enormously in producing this. Um, that doesn't mean that she's res ultimately responsible for what's in there. We're responsible for what's in there. But uh, it's, I think it's really good, I have to say. I think it's really, really good. And uh, there's some notes for each day for this week, all based around this verse at the end of 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. There's a, a day given over to talking about what it means to reflect, a day on the veil, a day on what it means to be transformed, another day about the glory of God, two days given over to talking about freedom. And what I'd like to invite you to do is to take hold of this and not feel you've got to do it, but to use it as a way to grow in your relationship with Jesus. We make it very clear there isn't a way to use this because we're all different. Some of us love stomping around and walking around and quiet is not the thing we want. Others of us want to sit in a quiet room with a candle or whatever. Hey, do whatever it is. Is there a time needed? No, because this is about relationship. It's not about meeting some old criteria that, you know, well, I feel good if I've spent 15 minutes with God. Well, the Father would love to spend all day with us. And actually, even in our busy days, we can do that. So I'd like to invite you to grab hold of one of these and to use it. And then on each day, you'll also say, find it says, today we are meeting at. And for one hour each day throughout this week, right the way through to Saturday, we're going to be meeting to pray. We won't necessarily be praying about what's in here. We'll be praying about Alpha and uh, our kids and youth work and all sorts of other different things. I'd like to invite you to come and join us. Come and join us as we pray. We've deliberately put some in the evening. There's one early morning. There's a couple in the daytime. So you know, different people will be able to make different things. That's great. That's why it's here. Friday is a particular favorite because it's 6.30 a.m. Probably most of us will be able to make that one. Just to say. Each time it's only for an hour. It's not the whole day. But what a great thing to do. To spend a week together in prayer as we head towards our banquet event next Sunday, where we're looking to express something 
of this life-transforming, amazing love and grace and mercy of God to our town. So can I invite you, pick one of these up. The stewards will have them as you leave. Use it, please. And as you read through it, you may well find some of the thoughts that I've shared today come back out from what you read. And let's be a people of surrender. Let's be a people who give ourselves to the Lord wholeheartedly in every way for his glory. Amen? Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord be with you. May you know his Holy Spirit guiding you throughout this week. May you know what it is to surrender more and more to him. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much. Uh, refreshments will be served. Uh, please, uh, if you've got children downstairs that I have overrun, please go and rescue them straight away. Thank you. Yes.